listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Uh, the soap opera continues in Lakers land. Welcome to another episode of The 30 Podcast. Brought to you, of course, by Silverscreen and Roll.com, where you know we have you covered for everything Lakers. You can check out the website daily for stats, opinions, analysis. You name it, we have it. Everything on the Lakers. Meanwhile, while you're here, don't forget, subscribe to our podcast feed as well. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter as well, at LakersSBN. Uh, still some news with the Lakers, even though the NBA playoffs are in full swing. On with me today to break it all down from Sportsnet 650, Marcus Fitzgerald. Marcus, what's up, my man? The Alex Caruso podcast is back, Jazz. It's always so much fun to join you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, man, you've had some good showings off the bench, though, so we decided we have to keep bringing you back in, right? What does it say about this Lakers season that Alex Caruso is like the second biggest storyline aside from like July the 1st? Oh, my goodness. I mean, he was great to watch. They were fun to watch. The kids were fun once LeBron shut it down. But how sad is it that here we are sitting here at the end of April. We're talking about Alex Caruso and then all this off-the-court drama. Very frustrating. Very frustrating. Oh, I know, man. I mean, I thought this was – I thought they'd be in the playoffs for sure. I didn't know how far they were going to get. I felt like if they were playing a Houston or or the Rock – or, pardon me, the uh, Warriors in the first round – yeah, they were probably going to get smoked, but I mean, just they would be there at least. And the fact you're right. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here more or less talking about the off court drama, which, by the way, has been a plethora of it, as as you know, following the team, it has uh, nonstop drama with them pretty much all well since uh, since LeBron signed on here. So, I mean, it's a gift that keeps on giving in terms of content. So you can't complain about that. No, you certainly can't. And I, and I will say too. I mean, if if the Lakers snuck into the eighth spot and got. Golden State. Maybe they would have given them a series because based on what we've seen now, as the Warriors have played the Clippers, there has to be a point where we got to start wondering about the Dubs. One of these lapses is going to become a problem. I didn't no, expect them. No. I didn't. I, I didn't expect them to lose to Lou Williams last night. I'm just saying the the frisky Lakers. You know, assuming they had stayed healthy, maybe they could have done the same thing these Clippers are doing right now. Instead, it's little brother in L.A. stealing all the headlines and and giving the Warriors a run. Oh, little brother's about to become better than bigger brother. And things keep <laughs> yeah. up this way, and that, that's, that's the problem. The that's the fear. I mean, uh, <laughs> and the funny part is what's going on with the Lakers, and you're hearing a lot of uh, not only people who are plugged into the league, but uh, executives as well talking about how well the Clippers have been ran. And you look at, at what they've done there with, uh, you know, bringing in Jerry West as a consultant. They've got Lawrence Frank, who's been around the league for a long time. Obviously, Doc Rivers. Uh, one of the best in the business. So what what they're kind of doing is, is what the Lakers are supposed to be, which is you know building for making a run at one of these top free agent guys. And the more you're hearing about it, the the less it seems one of those guys is going to end up in purple and gold next season. Well, you know, and I don't blame any of these impending free agents for looking at that situation and saying to themselves, I don't know that I can join this. The former president of basketball operations, one of the greatest players of all time, the best Laker of all time, his statue is outside of the building, up and quit and just left. And not only that, didn't tell Jeannie on his way out. That's all I would need to see. I don't even need to look at everything that happened that's happened since Magic has left for that to scare me off. That's the biggest problem. Magic was supposed to be the closer. Now, the other side of this, of course, is the rumblings that maybe Magic is still kind of silently pulling the strings anyway. But if I'm a prospective free agent looking at the <laughs> Lakers this offseason, aside from being well-paid and living in Los Angeles, why wouldn't I choose you know, to, to roll with this Clippers team? And why wouldn't I choose to roll with Doc Rivers where it's suddenly you know, sound and, it's, and, and the foundation is there? Where you look at the Lakers and... I know it's a family-run business. Dr. Buss is probably still God in L.A., even though he's no longer with us. He's, he's God from above. 
but it's still a family business. And I don't know that the genie's doing the right things. I mean, Kurt Rambis, man, come on. I mean, you know, you, you've heard the chatter about Kurt Rambis for years. You've heard the chatter about Kurt Rambis in LA. I actually have a story. I'm going to share this with you because I was thinking about this today, uh, about Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis and how they're essentially running the Lakers now with genie and, and the rest of the bus kids. I got this story secondhand. I'm not going to reveal the source, but it was the year in 90, it was 98. It was when Dennis Rodman was with the club for that like half season or whatever it was. And they were playing uh, San Antonio in the playoffs. And this is when Kurt Rambis was the coach. This is like the young uh, Lakers, like young Shaq and Kobe and Nick Van Axel and Eddie Jones and all that. They're getting kicked in San Antonio at the half. And Kurt Rambis comes in there. And of course, Kurt Rambis is showtime. He's the, you know, he used to be the Lakers. He used to be the brand, which is what they're still trying to do now in 2019 to sell the team. But as the coach, Kurt Rambis is like, okay, come on. We're the Lakers. This is about being the Lakers and having pride. And apparently Dennis Rodman looked up at Kurt Rambis and said, I am not here for none of this rah-rah bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a story I've heard secondhand years ago. I choose to believe it, not only because it sounds like something Dennis Rodman would do, but he had those battles with Kurt Rambis back in the 80s. He didn't have time for that rah-rah bullshit, but that's what the Lakers are trying to do now. They're trying to bring back that rah-rah stuff. They tried it with magic. It didn't work. Now it's a mess, and now no, we're still here. Yeah, you're right, man. I mean, that, that, that's kind of the thing that, that irritated me the most about Magic when, when he was the president of the club was the fact that he was walking around like, you know, I'm, I'm Magic Johnson, you know, like walking with a Rico <laughs> Suave, like, you know, Barry White, like, I'm Magic Johnson. And, <laughs> and listen, and listen, if, like, if, you on, can, if, if you can do that, then great. But once you get into that presidential role, it's totally different. You can't just be politician Magic anymore. He didn't realize that until it was too late. And that's why he had to get out. Well, it takes a lot of work now to run a team, Eric. You're not just a figurehead. You gotta, you gotta be immersed in the game. You have to know what's going on in the league. You have to know if there's guys in Europe that might be able to contribute on a on an NBA roster. You have to go watch tape and and you know connect with your scouts. And I just thought, you know, for, for, for me, the way he was running it, he was running it like he does with the Dodgers. He's a figurehead. You know, he's just there. He'll he's there for the publicity. Who knows how many decisions he's really making behind the scenes. I mean, people call him a great businessman, but chances are, as we know about the business world, there's probably people making those decisions for him and he's investing <laughs> into them. So, I mean, you know, the, the whole thing that whatever he touches turns into gold. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not demeaning what the dude has done, but ultimately when you look at it, this was a total fail um, having him as a part uh, of the president and the front office. And I mean, you saw that leak thing now that uh, Rick Buecher from Fox Sports was reporting that uh, Magic and was mistakenly copied on some emails with, between Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buzz. It's like, come <laughs> on, how do you not know how to use an email? Text, text nowadays. There's new technology available. What are they running in there? Oh, you know what? It just sounds like the Lakers are constantly operating in, I, I want to say 1987, but perhaps 1996. You know, it, the, the Lakers for years, and we all know this, It's and it still is, quite frankly, it's been about the brand. It really has. And somewhere along the line, they forgot about player development. They forgot about scouting. They forgot about all the little things that, that make, you know, today's clubs effective. And, and now we're just seeing the, the end product of that, even for the last few years, like, look, give the front office credit in the sense that they were able to use some cap space and make some trades, some creative deals, the, the Mozgov contract and the Brooklyn trade, sure, to make sure they can clear the decks to land LeBron James. Great. Cool. Give them credit for that. However, when it comes to team building, they clearly haven't done that particularly well. D'Angelo Russell leaves and becomes 
an all-star. They have all these high draft picks. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is a nice player. Lonzo Ball is a nice player. Brandon Ingram's a nice player. Are any of those guys guys that you can hand the ball to and say, go create, try to win us 45, 50 games? No, they're not on that level. So it's, it's the byproduct now of years of just the organization coasting off the fact that we're the Lakers and this is Los Angeles and this is going to work out. But it hasn't for the last six years, not just this year, the last six years. And that is way, way, way too long in Lakerland. And it's a shame that the family business now has to deal with all this because I think they realize their old ways don't work anymore. Uh, you know, I don't think they have realized it, and I think that's the problem. You know, Jeannie has publicly said a lot of times that she doesn't know too much about basketball. She does well in whatever she picked up in terms of, of the business side of it, but you got to hire the right people, hire the right team of individuals, and get the hell out of the way. And I think that's where, if you don't have any experience in this, and it, it's the oldest thing in sports, a lot of people get mad at GMs, get mad at the coach, get mad at, you know, every other person around them. I mean, you've heard of some teams be like, oh, they should get rid of the uh, training staff. That's why the team sucks. It's like, no, teams usually suck because the owners are terrible. And, and I'm not saying Jeannie's been a terrible owner. It's hard not to be the number one brand. I mean, if you saw that, LeBron James, I believe, still had the, the highest, uh, most sold NBA jersey. Lakers still number did, one yes. merchandise sales across the world. So, I mean, the brand is a brand. It's going strong, and it will for a long time. But the problem is, if you're in charge of it and you're running it like you used to in the 80s and 90s and not adapting with the times, and you're obviously not doing a good job, Something on that, the way things are being done from the top have to change. A couple of things I want to touch on with you, though. We were talking a little bit about free agency. Uh, one Western Conference executive, and you can read about this on uh, silverscreenandroll.com, it's quoting a report from uh, Ken Berger, Bleacher Report, basically saying if, if the Lakers strike out with the big fish, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, those are the big ones. I mean, you got your next tier of Jimmy Butler, uh, Kemba Walker, and then you know he mentions our team's going to end up settling for guys like Chris Middleton or Toby Harris, and then he he says in there, and this is he's quoting it, he'll be on the he'll be the Lakers or Knicks consolation prize, referring to Boogie Cousins, who's now out uh, for an extended <laughs> period with that quad injury. What do you make of all this? I mean, as as a diehard Lakers fan, would you want to <laughs> see Boogie on a on a deal with the Lakers next season? Well, I got to say this. It's funny. We, we make these jokes about Boogie being the consolation prize as they try to get these big stars. We used to make these jokes about the Knicks all the time. And, and now <laughs> we make these jokes about the Lakers. It, it's, it's a sea change now. It, you know, a month and a half ago, you, you, I would have said, hey, you know, the Knicks will go after the big names of free agency. They'll go after Kevin Durant. They'll go after Kyrie. But really, they're going to end up with Boogie and Kemba Walker. That's the way it's going to be. But that's the way the Lakers are now. Now, would I like to see Boogie in a Laker uniform? He's coming off now an Achilles injury, and now he has the other. You know, I, I can't. It escapes me now. Is it a quad? Something. Something's up with yeah, Boogie quad, there. Quad injury. Yeah. Quad injury. Yeah, that's what it was. So now that's that's two injuries now for a big man, and you just you have to wonder how much money do you give him? I mean, Golden State, there wasn't a lot of risk there. It was a one-year deal for five million bucks. Is Boogie going to get paid again after he gets hurt? Now, if the Lakers go out there and sign him to a Golden State type of deal, fine, totally fine, because I'm sure he'll get healthy. And at some point during the course of the regular season, he'll give LeBron, you know, 23, 11, and 7, and everything will be great, as long as it's at a, you know, friendly deal. But don't go out there and give him a max slot. I, I don't think that, you know, we can we can bag on, on Rob Palenka, we can bag on the ownership group a lot. I don't think they're foolish enough. To, to pay Boogie a big-time salary like that, especially coming off two injuries now. I, I would like to think that they're not going to do that. I, I certainly hope they don't. But if 
you know, Boogie can get signed to another one-year show-me deal, you know, for just a few million bucks, why not? It, I think it would be worth, you know, a couple of months of, of 23, 11, and 7 if he's healthy because I'm sure you're going to have injuries like the inju- like the Lakers had all that. And, and I realize every guy on the damn team got hurt last this season, but you're going to have injuries again. If you have a guy out there like Boogie who can move the needle a little bit, that's going to help. That's not necessarily going to hinder anybody. And it's certainly an upgrade over JaVale and everybody else they had at center after Zubach was traded to the Clippers, which is an entirely different article. We could probably write a book on that. If you're going to get cheap with Boogie, fine. Just don't give him $20 bucks. You're telling me the corpse of Tyson Chandler wasn't a good option at that center there from <laughs> well, January hey, look, on? Look, he, he had that one block for the win in that one game, and everybody was excited because he was back home, and then it just kind of deteriorated after that. So, yeah, no, he, Tyson he was, Chandler uh, wasn't the answer. I mean, he was he was hurt. He did do a pretty damn good job when he originally was on the team. He had a good 10-12 uh, game stretch there. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately it wasn't the answer. He's 36 years old. Not going to be there long term. I, I agree. I, you know what? I don't think they're going to. I don't see the Lakers being dumb enough. I know. I mean, I'm not saying this won't happen 100% because, as we <laughs> see, I mean, they've also made the Mozgov deal, different regime entirely, but they did make that and give him that money uh, as well as money to Luol Dang. But when you look at it, I don't think it'd be a bad thing if you strike out with the big name guys, right? Let's, let's just say no Kevin Durant, no Kawhi, no Clay Thompson, no Kyrie Irving, which a lot of the rumors right now are saying none of those guys are really linked to being with the Lakers. And you can get away with paying Boogie, which is what this this uh, this Western Conference executive said that hey, you know what? If you're going to end up paying him on ten to fifteen million bucks for for one year, why not and take a flyer on the guy at that point? I mean, you paid Rondo and, and McGee the the combined price of that this season. Why not take a look at a guy like Boogie? That does certainly make sense when you put it like that. I mean, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, if you can get you know twenty three eleven and I keep falling on twenty three eleven and seven. It's just random numbers that I'm. Pick it out of my butt yeah, right well, now. Yeah, where, 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 where did that come from all of a sudden? That he's in a Boogie Cousins out of nowhere coming off two pretty significant injuries. He's going to drop 23, <laughs> 11, and 7, and we're saying that with full confidence. Tell me where that comes from. <laughs> well, you know what? This is just a sign of how crazy this offseason for the Lakers has become, that we can talk ourselves into the fact that Boogie off of two injuries is going to put up all-star numbers. But you're right. <laughs> Combined, he can replace the numbers of a couple of guys. JaVale was, was solid there for a couple of months, then he just got tired. Because he wasn't used to playing so many damn minutes. That's exactly what happened. So if you get Boogie in there, you put him in the right spot, he can be effective. But that's the problem with Boogie. There's a lot of ifs. If this happens, if that happens, if he can stay healthy, if he doesn't get upset with potentially whoever the new coach is. Can he get along with whoever the new coach is? There's so many ifs and hypotheticals right now. I just hope if they sign him, they don't give him crazy money. Because then he won't necessarily be as motivated because he doesn't really have to show anybody because he got paid. You know what I mean? So there's that too. There's so many ifs. If you can be effective on a bargain basement deal, I say do it. If not, avoid it. And maybe try to pay Chris Middleton or Kev Walker or something like that. I, I think they should look at just building for, for to the summer of 2020. Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, if you strike out on the big fish, which again, looks like it's going to happen. Kawhi, if he does come to LA, looks like he's going to be headed to the Clippers barring you know, something major happening between now and, and July 1st. And, and it's not a gimme yet that he is leaving Toronto for sure. Uh, Kyrie, I still think they have uh, an outside shot at. I don't think Clay is going anywhere. And I don't think Kevin Durant's going to end up signing signing with the Lakers. Although, again, you, you never know what happens because the NBA, as we've seen over the last four or five seasons, is, is a crazy, crazy league, which, which makes <laughs> it entertaining. Um, but at the same time, I don't think you, you, you want to break the bank for a guy like Jimmy Butler, who's very good, but he ain't moving the needle towards being a championship team, uh, you know, any sooner. And I think... If you look at it and you're able to say, all right, if, if Anthony Davis does become 
a total free agent in, in that summer of 2020, then you got to look at waiting for him and building for the team for the, for the next eight to 10 years because you can't just do it to appease LeBron right now. You don't have the pieces in place. Well, and then that's that's kind of half the battle, isn't it? I mean, even this year, uh, and we watched, and, and and going into the season, LeBron said, "Well, it's okay. I knew what I signed up for. I'm going to be patient." But as soon as things started to go sideways, and it didn't take very long, suddenly LeBron's patience uh, was very thin. It was it was incredibly thin, and and you you worry about that. It's it's a it's a double edged sword because well, LeBron James is on our team. We have to get to the postseason. We have to get deep into the postseason. We have to compete for championships. Of course, if he wants Anthony Davis, we're going to do everything we can to go get Anthony Davis for LeBron James to appease him. But he's also 34 years old. There's three years left on this deal. LeBron's not going to play forever. Uh, we know we we we've seen his basketball mortality now. That was my biggest, and I've said this before in your podcast. We've we've seen LeBron's basketball mortality now. We've seen him get hurt. I was scared of that back in July. What if he gets hurt? And now he has gotten hurt. So that seed of doubt has has crept in, not only to his mind a little bit, um, but to everybody else in the organization. What if he gets hurt again? So you run that risk, and that's why you got to appease him. But y- you're exactly right. I mean, you got to think years ahead. That's why I don't know that you mortgage everything with all these kids for an Anthony Davis, and maybe you wait till 2020, but by then LeBron's going to be 35, and he's going to be more focused on, uh, you know, lining up to uh, play uh, next to Bronny by the time he gets 40. He's 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 going to be thinking about that instead. So it's it's really 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 a slippery slope, and I think that once they get, you know, their front office all sorted out and a head coach, that's going to be the most fascinating thing. How do you appease a Bron or <laughs> appease LeBron and also look towards the future at the same time? It's like going in two different directions. It's not going to be easy. You know, I, I think he's more concerned with with his career after the NBA. I, he's saying all the right things in public. Um, you know, I, I just think eventually, again, going at, going on thirty five next December, and then he, you got to remember his his fourth year is a player option. And if he doesn't like the way things are going, he he might bounce. So I mean, you realistically, you might only have two seasons with, left with LeBron. So try and look at it long term rather than. And I think the Lakers have done that too much over the last six, seven years, which they're looking at it like it was the 90s and 2000s. It's like, hey, everybody wants to come play for us and we'll make it happen. You've seen them strike out with with guys like uh, LeBron James the first time around. You saw them strike out with guys like Kevin Durant. And you saw them not get meetings with guys like Lamar- LaMarcus Aldridge. So change the way you're doing things, Genie Bus, please, for the for the betterment of this franchise. <laughs> start, start adapting to the new wave of how things are done in the NBA. Uh, we're going to take a short break and then come back and talk about the coaching search. Uh, still very much up in the air. We'll get to that right after this. And we are back. Okay, big news, uh, Marcus, in regard to the, the coaching uh, the coaching search. Now, Monty Williams, a bunch of the Lakers brass went to go meet with him in, in Philly on Thursday. The Sixers are playing the Raptors in the Eastern Conference semifinal. So uh, Williams will actually be meeting with people from Phoenix on Friday in Toronto. But the contingent that went over to meet with him, I'm going to go down the list here. Rob Polenka. Jeannie Bus, this is to go meet with Monty Monty Williams. Yeah, yeah. Joey Bus, Jesse Bus. Okay, we're we're staying. Keep it in the family there a little bit. Although uh, those guys do have a little bit of acumen in terms of being involved, you know, in terms of the front office with the Lakers and and their G League team. And then the two names I was surprised, more or less disappointed. I don't want to say surprised, but Kurt and Linda Rambis, as well as uh, <laughs> Chief Operating Officer Tim Harris, went to go meet with Monty Williams. What are your thoughts first off? Forget about Monty Williams. Why are the Lakers still doing this? They're keeping it all in the family, and it's time to do things different. Why? What, what do you make of the group that went to go try and woo Monty Williams? 
Oh man! Well, you know, it, it always it always adds something extra when uh, Joey and Jesse get involved, right? I mean, you never hear much from those guys during the year at all, and all of a sudden they're you know only only Joey over. and Jesse I know are from Full House. Okay, those are only two Joey and Jesse's I want coming around. Oh man! You know what? I mean. Ugh. And we kind of touched on it earlier, too, this whole family business thing. It, it, it worked wonders for a long, long time for this family. And you actually, maybe possibly without even realizing it, said that quote that Dr. Bus gave Jeannie, which is when, when you run this thing, hire the right people and get the hell out of the way. Well, right now they have to they have to hire the right people. And I don't know that Monty Williams is, is the guy when his name surfaced. I thought, oh, okay, just some... You know, assistant coach, he's not necessarily a splashy name. He's not necessarily a big name. I don't know if he can, you know, uh, work with the kids uh, X's and O's wise, if he's more of a motivator or whatever. But it's just reached the point where it's just this cavalcade of mediocrity. That's really what it is. I mean, you know, Jeannie tries to run it like a family. She's got her brothers in there. Linda Rambis, her best friend, and Kurt Rambis, who quite frankly, hasn't had any success at all in his post-playing days as a coach or anything else in the NBA. And Rob Palenka, who the rest of the league might not even stand because he used to be a greasy agent. <laughs> so that's always a problem. I mean, there's there's a lot of things wrong with this picture. And it's to the point now where, you know, they would go talk to a guy like Monty Williams because it's just a cavalcade of mediocrity. I'd like to stick that on a t-shirt, by the way, and slap a hashtag on it because <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's where the Lakers are right now. I'm probably in the minority. I want Tyron Lou just because I... Why? Uh, Why? Because, Why? Because we can run it back. And you know what? Listen, if they want to have old Lakers in the fold, Tyron Lou played for the damn Lakers. Like, yeah, like his it, most it, memorable it, moment is when he got stepped over by Allen Iverson, though. That's the thing with, with Ty Lue. Hey, listen, I remember one time you had a pull-up jumper in the old form. I remember watching it on TV. It looked <laughs> really good. I'm just saying, he's had more moments than that. But, you know, also, if you're going to, you know, keep it in the family and, you know, old boys club and old Lakers and stuff, why why wouldn't they hire Ty Lue? Why wouldn't they stay on brand? You know? I, I don't that's, know. That's I, I, you know, the, the thing with the thing with Monty Williams, like you look at his the job he did with, with New Orleans. He had, ended up spending five seasons there as a coach. Uh, they made the playoffs a couple of times, both times lost in the first round. Uh, once did a pretty decent job. I remember when they had that, I think they still had Chris Paul then, where they ended up losing uh, four games to two to the Lakers, I think it was. That was back in yeah. 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. And then they got smoked, smoke showed by the Warriors in uh, 2014, 2015. They got swept. But when you when you look at that, I mean, he's been around. I mean, after getting fired, he's been a part of the U.S. national team, helping out there. Uh, he's also, you know, been a part of, obviously, the lead assistant now in Philly and then he was also with uh, OKC for a little stretch there as as an associate head coach. So uh, sometimes guys do bounce back and learn. You know what? You go through your first end, and he didn't have much of a squad there in New Orleans, mind you. Didn't do anything really to develop many young guys. He did have Anthony Davis. Um, but other than that, I mean, the team didn't play above its talent level by any means. I mean, they won 21 and 27 games in a couple of seasons <laughs> when he was there. So that's a problem with me, too. I, I think they're not going outside of the box, which is something they need to, like, you're hearing about Ty Lue, even Jawan Howard, you know what, he's been around in terms of been around the game forever, but he's been a coach in Miami and had that kind of role, uh, more or less as an assistant, but it's outside the box, and they're trying to think of something new, maybe Jawan Howard has some great ideas on how to run things, maybe he sees a system in place for the way the roster is currently constructed, obviously hoping to add a couple more pieces, but at least they're looking at it saying, okay, that might be something outside of it, because retread coaches in the NBA they don't really work too often. No, they don't. And not only that, it's just not, 
it's and and I realize I'm using brand speak when I say this. It's just not all that exciting. Like as soon as the name surfaces, like Monty Williams, eh, okay. Like you, listen, <laughs> I, there's there's a lot going on with Luke Walton right now. But if we could just rewind back to when they were bringing him in, Luke at the time was considered you know a fairly out of the box, fresh new hire. That was exciting. That was fun, and he was brought in to lead these young children, and 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 he did a good job with that. But then LeBron James showed up, and then all of a sudden he couldn't lead the young children anymore. He had to worry about LeBron, and that's where things went sideways for him. But, you know, that was outside the box a few years ago. So the Lakers, in a sense, got that right. And now they're regressing back to this old family business mean with this Monty Williams stuff and even Ty Lue. I mean, look, yeah, the guy won a championship with LeBron at 16. He took the Cavs to the, the finals, and they made sure to get their business done in the Eastern Conference playoffs every year he was there. So there is that familiarity there. And because of that, there is a bit of a brand recognition. But that's where we are now. It's just, well, Monty Williams, whatever. Well, Jason Kidd, okay, whatever. Jawan Howard, maybe. He's got some fresh ideas. I don't know. And then Ty Lue. Like, there's nobody that's sexy. There's nobody that, that sticks out. And I know that's what the Lakers want, but they're just not going to get it with the current group because it's so rickety. Right now, up at well, the uh, up that's at, where they they gotta go. They gotta go outside the outside of their own thinking, and that that's the problem. Like if you're able to look at it and say, okay, let's try and 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 interview some other lead assistants. Like do some more digging. Do talk to some more people in around the league who might give you some ideas and some references. Yeah, it's not the most uh, desirable coaching gig out there right now. And I'm not saying that for the fact. I mean, obviously you have the lore of the Lakers. That's not going to leave. But in terms of stability. It's obviously not the best place, and you got to know you're probably going to be an assistant coach anyways to LeBron James. But bring in somebody who's going to be able to do that, and the, and the problem always gets back to, to the roster construction. Unless you bring in two or three guys who can actually hit three-pointers and are consistent three-point threats, the formula with LeBron James that you're currently trying to pull out isn't going to work. Yeah, you've shown me a good team, and I'll show you a pretty good coach nine times out of ten <laughs> in pro sports and in the NBA. And Yeah, you're right. I mean, it would certainly help if the Lakers had a few more guys that could uh, – you know, shoot the basketball. I know we probably don't want to have to watch, uh, you know, the Mike Muscala's of the world. <laughs> What's wrong with Mike Muscala? <laughs> What's wrong with him? <laughs> I just don't want to watch him playing quarter threes anymore. You know what no. I mean? Like, I don't want to see no. him playing anymore, period, with the Lakers, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the consensus now. <laughs> oh, he was oh, awesome. But they, when they first got him, it was, you know, Magic said, like, you know, we need to bring in shooting, and he addresses that need. Uh, first off, you have a 21-year-old center who's learning how to play the game and is basically contributing on a playoff team with Zubak. And they got rid of him. For, and they don't have a center sign for next year. Let's not forget that. Although yeah, Zubak that's right. is, a, is a restricted free agent. Um, they don't have anybody signed for next year. And they decided to bring in Muscala, who couldn't hit anything. I think the last couple of games he had double digits. And he shows that, hey, I mean, at least he has a pulse, so he's alive. But um, he didn't really – no, I mean, he's, he's terrible. And, and that, to me, is, is the problem. Regardless of what coach you bring in, you're going to have to bring this roster up to modern standards of what makes the NBA. And until you do that, this team, it doesn't matter who you bring in as a coach, they're going to be a middling, middling contender in the Western Conference. And they're not going to be up there in the, uh, with, the, with the Rockets and the Warriors for next year. No, they're probably looking at a, at a 6, 7, 8 seed and, and a first-round exit. Yeah, no, I'm, I, you say all that, and, I, and I'm thinking back to that uh... – ESPN Summer League interview that Magic had when he was sitting courtside uh, with the game crew, and it's everyone say we don't have shooters. Oh, we got shooters. That's oh, all I can shooters. think about right oh, now. Oh, we got that's all. That's all Magic was good for. He's a great showman. He's a great salesman. But come on, <laughs> don't sit there and embarrass yourself, dude. Because you have to. If you, the spotlight is different, right? And and he's right in that one sense. No, he can't be 
I mean, he is Captain Obvious when he tweets. I think that's the least, you know, best kept <laughs> secret that that uh, is out there on Twitter. But he didn't understand that fact. Like, look, man, you can't just go out there and be brash and, and talk a big game because nowadays everyone has receipts. And people are, are going are gonna to remember what you said. They're going to have video of what you said. They're going to quote you on Twitter. So that's where he messed up. Oh, no, without question. And I think that's kind of what he didn't say when he left. It's like, look, I want to go back to being Magic Johnson, which means I just want to go back to doing what I was doing and not get roasted all the time by all you people who previously used to love me all the time. He, he, he couldn't handle that anymore, so now he gets to go back to that life. And I will say this about Magic. I was thinking about this today. Magic did what you and I and probably everybody else has always thought. You know what I mean? Things aren't quite working out, but hey, I have a ton of money so I can leave. We would kill for that situation. We <laughs> yeah. wish we could be magic in that situation with our day-to-day jobs. We all wish it. So props to magic for being able to carry that out in his life. I'll credit him for that. But he knew he wasn't the man for the job. And I will also silently give him credit for the fact that, look, I don't want to be here. <laughs> Should I do the impression right now? I'm sure. not going to be here. Like that's <laughs> it. When he said that he knew he wasn't going to be here. So he left. He didn't want to have to preside over what he probably thought was going to be another disappointing summer. He didn't want to take another six months of crap from the media, from people like us. He didn't want that, so he was able to leave on his own volition, and he keeps his money, and he gets to be magic, and that's great. But now the the organization is just kind of hanging there in this weird miasma, and, and there's no guarantee that they're going to climb out of it, even with LeBron James and some healthy kids back in the fold. There's just still a lot of questions going into the summer. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see how it plays out. But there's still a lot of questions. Well, you got Magic Johnson who gets to leave a great job because he's like, dude, I'm good. I don't need any of this stress in my life. And we envy him for that. And then you have Kurt Rambis on the other end who's been a terrible executive and a terrible coach at every level he's been at since being a player. And he still somehow has hung around the NBA for 20 years collecting them paychecks. So the Lakers <laughs> are the best of what you can be if you end up making it somewhere big. Look, you can, you can hang on to a meal ticket with the team for 20 years. Well, hey, man, it ain't what you know. It's who you know. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. And, and ultimately, we don't know many people in high places. That's why we're sitting here talking to each other right now. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right, man. We'll wrap things up there. Always fun to do this with you. Uh, Marcus Fitzgerald, Sportsnet 650 reporter and anchor. Uh, we'll talk to you again and, and do this again soon, man. Sounds great, Jazz. We'll do it again soon. All right, that does it for this episode of The 30. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast network. We're all over pretty much anywhere you get your fix. You can, you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter as well at LakersSBN. And go to SilverScreenAndRoll.com. All the newest Lakers content updated daily. Harrison, Anthony, and Christian always got you covered. That does it for this episode. I'll be back next time. Enjoy the rest of the first round.